taking part in this Bible study. So if you have your Bibles tonight, grab your Bibles and, and, and open up to the book of Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter number 18. Uh, as I was going through this study, uh, I, really, I really thought this is really, really appropriate. This is a real timely study uh, for what we're dealing with and struggling with. Uh, we're going to talk about discouragement. And I, I mean, I mean, uh, great discouragement, intense discouragement, the kind of, I'm not talking about just feeling a little down. I'm talking about ready to throw in the towel, ready to quit, uh, ready to give up. Have you ever, have you ever been to the place that you, you, you said, what is the use? What is the use? The harder I try, it seems the worse things get. Uh, well, you're, you're going to find out that you, you are in some pretty good company because you're not the only one that's ever thought that. Some really, really unbelievable men of God in, in the past throughout the scriptures have felt that way. And, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that, that, that that's okay. It's okay. Uh, uh, I, I heard somebody say one time, it's okay not to be okay. Uh, but it's not okay to stay there. Uh, we, need to, we need to do everything we can to get the help that we need from the Lord. And I believe he's going to help us with some tonight, all right? So let's look in Acts chapter number 18. In verse number 1, if you have your Bibles open to Acts 18, verse number 1, let's begin to read. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the Gentiles. Now... Keep in mind, uh, this isn't just a spiritual statement. Uh, I'm, I'm shaking the dust off my feet. Uh, uh, this is an angry, this is a frustrated, uh, this, is, this is a situation where Paul is, is about at his limit and at the place that he's at. And he says, I'm done, I'm done. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God whose house joined hard to the synagogue, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Watch what he says. Be thou, or excuse me, be not afraid. Let me say that again. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. All right, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. And I, I, I pray uh, that you will help me and, and pray from home. Uh, it seems like Wednesday is a little more difficult than Sunday. We have a, uh, a little singing and, and, and a few more people here on uh, Sunday to kind of help. And uh, Wednesday's a, a struggle. I'm just going to be transparent. I, I, I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult, but I know God will touch it, and I know God will help us. And, and so if you'll help me pray, 
Let's just pray that God will speak to us. Let's, let's do that. Let's pray that God will speak to us and, 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 and give me the clarity and give me the strength and, 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 and just the, the, the help I need to bring the word in such a way that everybody can understand it and get help tonight. All right? Well, I hope you will pray with me right now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful and I am so thankful for how you've been moving in this whole ordeal. Uh, Lord, these have not been easy weeks. These have not been uh, uh, weeks that, that I would have chosen to, to operate in this way. Uh, but I know that, that, that nothing will come in our life that, that's not filtered through your hands. And I thank you for helping us thus far. I thank you for the people that's been saved at every broadcast, every single time. And God, I pray that you'll just move tonight. I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. I know I don't deserve it, and I know I haven't earned it. And, and Lord, it's not about that. It's about how much I need it. I, I pray for your anointing. I pray for the touch of God in this service, in this, this Bible study. I pray that you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit. Control my mind. Control my heart. Control my words. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And, Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, discouragement, discouragement. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, especially if you, if you grew up in church, like I did, I, 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 I heard about biblical characters my whole life. And, and, uh, sometimes in our minds or in my mind, anyway, when I was growing up, I would, I would kind of build up in my head, uh, the way a Bible character was, and sometimes they were bigger than life. And, and, and we didn't realize that every Bible character was still just a man. That the best that man can be is still a man at best. He is still human. He, is, he still has issues. He still has struggles. He still has temptations. The greatest men in the Bible had struggles and temptations. And, and the greatest men in the Bible uh, found places in their life that they were discouraged and, and wanted to throw in the towel and wanted to quit. I'll, I'll name a few here. How about Moses? How about Moses? Moses was the greatest leader, handpicked by God. He had God's power on his life. But in Numbers eleven fifteen, he said to God, if thou deal thus with me, just kill me, I pray thee. Just take me out. I don't even want to be here anymore. This is Moses. Think about this. The greatest leader that God handpicked. How about Joshua? The greatest general handpicked by God to lead Israel into the promised land. But in Joshua 7, 7, he said, would to God we'd just been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. So this is what we get for serving God. This is basically what he's thinking when he was defeated and he, and he faced a failure in his life. He said, man, we'd have been better off to stay where we were. What are we even doing? How about Elijah, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament? He was big enough and strong enough and brave enough. He was courageous to challenge King Ahab and all those prophets of Baal. He called down fire from heaven, won a face-off with the prophets and the king. But in 1 Kings 19.4, after it was all over, you know, things didn't quite turn out the way he thought they were going to turn out. God didn't operate at the palace like he did on Mount Carmel. God didn't do it exactly like he thought he would. And, and, and because of that, he got suicidal, ran for his life, and said, God, I just don't want to live anymore. I'm not as good as my father's. Everything, he just said, everything's bad in my life. Just take me out now. A prophet who in just, just moments before had faced down over 850 prophets, 
850 false prophets and, and did all of these things. But yet in a time of discouragement, in a time when he, things took place that he just could not understand, he did not know why God was allowing certain things to happen, he said, I just want to quit. I just want to quit. How about Job? We always talk about, we always talk about the patience of Job and the faith of Job. And we love to quote, we love to quote, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked came I into this world, naked shall I return. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. We like to, we like to quote Job when he said, I know my Redeemer liveth and shall stand at the latter day on this earth. But though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. And those were great quotes. And those were great things. And those, those were times in Job's life of great courage and strength. But Job also said this. Job also said this. In Job 3.3 3, he said, let the day perish in which I was born. Listen, he had a great beginning and a great ending. But in between when he lost everything, there were times when he did not even, he wished he had not even been born. He became suicidal and extremely depressed. Jonah God didn't do what Jonah thought he should do, and he got depressed. He wasn't even happy that the souls were saved in Nineveh. And now we find Paul. Now we find Paul in this chapter. Oh, what a man of God Paul was. What a, what a, what a soldier of the cross that the apostle Paul was. Man, it, it, those were so many things that he did and how, how he faced difficulty and he faced uh, adversity and opposition but boy, he begins, to, he begins to share in other, other books of the Bible how he truly was in this, pre, this period of time. He said, I was here with trembling and fear. Trembling and fear. He said, we face adversity. We face distress and affliction. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, 3, he says, I was with you, the Corinthian people, in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Why? Well, in this same journey, we find that when he landed in Philippi, he was arrested and beaten and thrown in jail, went through a horrific earthquake. Then he was in Thessalonica and was ridiculed and, and rejected. He was in Berea. Uh, then he was in Athens. And in all these places, he's being kicked out. All these places, he's being run off. All these places, he's coming to preach the gospel, yet he is facing major opposition and he has to leave Philippi. He has to leave Thessalonica. He has to leave Berea. He, he gets to Athens and, and he begins to talk to the philosophers and he begins to talk to the, the, the majorly superstitious religious people there in Athens and he begins to try to witness and, and bring truth to them and, and they call him a babbler. They call him a, a seed picker. They said, all you're doing is just like an old chicken in a barnyard. You pick a little here and you pick a little there and you pick a little there and you put it together. In other words, he's saying, you're taking from this man's idea and this man's teaching and this person's philosophy and you've just wrapped up a bunch of little scraps that you've gathered together and this is your religion you're presenting. Listen, everywhere he turns, he's got opposition. He's got people rejecting him. He's got people that are, are trying their best either to destroy him, uh, get rid of him, or find some kind of fault in him. And now he lands in Corinth. Now he lands in Corinth. Now, you've got to understand, Corinth, it would be basically kind of like our uh, uh, Las Vegas, Sin City. 
It was probably the place of greatest debauchery. Uh, the greatest uh, immorality on the planet was here in this city. Now, now keep in mind, Paul is being thrown out and Paul is being chased away and Paul is facing one difficulty and one obstacle and, and, and listen, opposition after opposition after opposition. And now he's discouraged. Now he's at a place, he's just ready to quit. And, 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 and here's, here, I want to give you three things real quick. It won't be long tonight. But I want to I want to share with you three quick things. First, I want to I want to share with you a reason, a reason that he's feeling the way he's feeling, and then the results of getting to that place. What comes from getting to that place, and then the remedy. What what do we do about it? What do we do about it? First, I want you to see the reason. Let's look at a few reasons that would would cause a man to get down and cause a man to be greatly discouraged to the point of wanting to quit. Well, I believe fatigue had an issue. Fatigue was an issue. You see, it was a 53-mile walk, 53-mile walk from Athens to Corinth. And Paul is tired. I mean, Paul is physically tired. Now, I know know some people doesn't think, well, that's not that really that big a deal. Uh, And especially with a lot of people, a lot of people in isolation, and, and, and are not able to work, and maybe they're stuck at home, or uh, they haven't really been able to do something, you're getting stir-crazy. You're not fatigued at all. You're, you're, you're so rested up. You're, you're miserable. But that's not the case with everybody. Uh, the essentials, the people that are still working, the people... I, I, I've watched people at Walmart, and I've watched people at different places trying to keep the, 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 the shelves stocked, and, and, and people at, at restaurants trying to uh, keep going back and forth with the food at the, at, at the, at the, the window. And, 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 and listen, there, there are people that are running themselves ragged. We have, a, we have a young lady right now that's in New York, one of our people... One of our nurses here in the church has volunteered and gone up to New York, and she's posting uh, little little podcasts, I guess, if you will, or little little snippets and, and little testimonies on on how things are going. And and uh, the last one I saw, she was real emotional, and it was taking a toll on them. And you have nurses up there that are wore out, and doctors that are fatigued. And 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 I'm gonna tell you something: when you get tired. When you get fatigued, when you get wore out, when, when you're not taking care of yourself and you're not getting the proper amount of rest and, and the things that you need, you'll start feeling things you normally wouldn't feel and you would, you'll start thinking things you normally wouldn't think and you'll start acting in ways that you normally wouldn't act. Fatigue will cause you to think things you shouldn't be thinking and, and get frustrated and get wore out. Be careful. Be careful making major decisions when you're tired. Be careful, hey, be careful communicating with your spouse when you're tired, when, you, when you're wore out and you're fatigued because you might not respond in, in a proper way. You might not respond in a way that you normally would respond when you're, when you're rested and you're okay. But I believe fatigue had an issue. Uh, fatigue had an a, a, a impact on Paul's life to the point he was discouraged. Not only fatigue, but here's one, you know, we alliterated this, forlornness. Forlornness. What, what does that mean? It means, watch this now, loneliness from isolation. Loneliness from isolation. Here's the deal. Paul was alone. Paul is used to traveling with companions. He's used to traveling with, with partners in the ministry. And here he is all by himself. Here he is being run out of each place. And now he's by himself. He's alone. And there is nothing 
more dangerous in ministry than being or feeling alone. Nothing. You may tell you when Elijah felt depressed and discouraged and, and he got to the point of suicide and wanting, wanting to be uh, uh, God to take his life is when he got alone. He got off and the Bible says he left his servant there. He got alone. We cannot face this alone. We cannot go through life alone. We cannot face the struggles and the difficulties that we have in life alone. And I'm going to talk more about that in the, in the, in the, in the, in the future uh, in just a little bit in this, this outline. But, but just keep in mind, he was alone. He was feeling lonely. He was feeling discouraged because he was alone. But not only forlornness, but failure. Failure. He goes, he goes from Philippi to Thessalonica, to Berea, to Athens, and now Corinth. And, and he's feeling frustrated. He's in Athens, he's called a babbler. And, and, and now he is in, like I said, probably what we would call Las Vegas sin city. This place was so immoral. There were thousands and thousands of temple prostitutes who would come out of the, the temple there in, uh, in, in Corinth and, and ply their trade. And, and there was sexual immorality. There was unbelievable idolatry. And Paul is now surrounded by all of this wickedness. You know, listen, Lot, Lot said, you know, remember Lot was a righteous man. And the Bible says being in Sodom and Gomorrah, it vexed, it vexed, which means to torture. It vexed his righteous soul. You know what I believe? I believe Paul struggled. I believe Paul saw how wicked his atmosphere and his surroundings were. And it bothered him in a, an incredible way. Matter of fact, uh, if you are a child of God, what you see in this world, what you see in this culture, uh, the wickedness that we are surrounded by, it should bother us. But he's struggling with the idea of failing, feeling like a failure because things are just not happening the way he would like them to happen. Well, I tell you what, that's a terrible feeling. And that's a feeling that will cause you to face discouragement faster probably than anything else in the world when you feel like you're not accomplishing anything. When you feel like no matter what you try, it just doesn't turn out. It doesn't work out. God, God will put us in places where, humanly speaking, we will fail so we can see the spiritual side of that, so we can see all the glory and all the credit and all the honor goes to Him and not us. But failure is hard to deal with. When you're feeling like a failure, when you're fatigued and you just wore out, forlornness, you're lonely, isolation, but then feeling forsaken, feeling forsaken. Watch what he says. Watch what he says in the, the, the 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. This is what he's saying about the people at Corinth. He said, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you. Watch what he says. The more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. He said, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying to bless you and I'm trying to help you and I'm trying to love you. But the more I show my love to you, the less I feel your love back to me. He's feeling forsaken. He's feeling like he's the only one on the planet. I'm telling you, the devil has an unbelievable, unbelievable ability to help or get us to feel isolated and feel like we're the only ones doing anything. So many prophets in the Old Testament felt the same way. 
I believe, I believe men of God in the New Testament felt the same way. I felt the same way. Man, I'm telling you, sometimes you, you feel like that, 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 that you're the only one. You're the only one that is, is in a place of trying. And I know that's not true. I know that's not true. And it's not true here in this situation. But sometimes the devil will make you feel that way. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody pays attention. That's just, that's just not accurate, but it's just the way you feel. And Paul is struggling. Paul is struggling. You say, why do you think Paul was struggling? Why, how do you know that Paul was struggling? Well, Jesus, he came to him and spoke to him. And, and I'll get to that in a minute, but, but, but there, there is a reason that the Lord said to Paul what he said. And this is what's happening, okay? He's fatigued, he's wore out, he is feeling lonely, he's feeling isolated, uh, uh, he is feeling forsaken, he's feeling like a failure, and, and, and he's got all these emotions going through his mind and going through his heart, he's got all these thoughts going on, and it causes something. It produces, it, these things that he's facing, these circumstances that he's facing is producing something in his life. And you say, what is it producing? Watch this. We see the results, the results of this struggle. First, A, if you're taking those, write this down. He struggled with fear. He struggled with fear. Do you realize when he got to that place of being isolated, when he got to that place of feeling alone, when he got to that, that place of feeling completely fatigued and exhausted and wore out with the situation, feeling forsaken, all of those things, you know what they did? You know what those, those, those things produced in his life? Fear. Fear. They said, how do you know that? Look, at the, look, what, look what it says in verse 9. In verse 9 it says, Then spake the Lord to Paul. Then spake the Lord to Paul. In the night by vision, be not afraid. You see that? Be not afraid. Now, why do you think, why do you think that the Lord would tell Paul, don't be afraid? I'd have to say it was because he was afraid. He was dealing with fear. And I got, I got, I got proof. I got proof. Let me go back. Let me go back. Let me, let me remember you remember what he said? You remember what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3? Remember what he said? He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Weakness, fear, and in much trembling. Man, Paul was dealing with fear. And I'm telling you this, ladies and gentlemen, fear is a terrible enemy. God does not give the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I understand that. I understand that. There's no doubt about it. That is the gospel truth. That's what Paul told Timothy. God does not give the spirit of fear, but the devil does. And listen, our humanity and our weakness in our flesh, we are prone to be afraid. You say, how do you know we're prone to be afraid? Because God has to over and over and over and over and over and over in the scriptures Tell us and remind us, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Have no fear. Have no fear. Over and over, God is telling us, don't be afraid. You know why? Because he knows we struggle with fear. Paul was struggling with fear. He was afraid. He was dealing with this emotion, and this emotion was getting the best of him. And he was having an issue with fear. Now, what did fear do? What did fear do? 
it caused B, B, it caused his witness to be hindered. He caused his witness to be hindered. I believe in his frustration. When we go back to verse 6, when they oppose themselves. Now, that word opposed, that's not just, that just don't mean we don't want to hear what you got to say. That's a military term, and it means that they organize themselves against Paul. They organize themselves against Paul. And Paul is frustrated. And he says, your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. He shook his raiment. He shook his raiment. Now, now where that comes from, the Jews would, would come out of Gentile lands and they would, they, would come into the, they would come into the promised land. They would come into uh, uh, Israel and they would shake the dust of the Gentile land off of their feet so as not to contaminate God's country and the holy, holy ground with Gentile dust. And it was showing their disdain for Gentiles and Gentile land. And he is shaking his garment as he's shaking the dust of their decision and their, uh, their choices that they're making. He said, there's no blood on my hands. Now, if there was blood on his hands, that would mean he was responsible for their outcome. But he's saying, I told you the truth and I shared the gospel with you. He said, your blood be on your head. In other words, their decisions, their choices they're making has caused their demise and their ultimate destination and their ultimate end is because of their own choices. And he's saying, that's it. I'm going to the Gentiles. That's it. I'm done. So what happens? What happens? His witness is hindered because of fear. Because of frustration, because of discouragement, despair. Now, you say, how do you know that? How do you know that? How did we know he was afraid? Because God told him, don't be afraid. How do we know his witness was hindered? What does it say? He says, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. He said, this ain't no time to be quiet, Paul. This ain't no time to be quiet. This ain't no time to be silent. This is no time to be retired. This is no time to quit. There's no time. There's no time to leave your post. There's no time to give up. It's always too soon to quit. And he's encouraging him. Listen, the results of frustration, the results of discouragement, the results of fear, the results of fatigue and and failure and feeling forsaken is, You'll struggle with fear. You know, fear is, a, fear is a terrible enemy. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will keep you from accomplishing God's will in your life. Fear will remove, uh, uh, fear will remove peace out of your life. Fear will cause you to think about problems that's not even real. Fear will cause you to contemplate issues on the what if. Someone called me this week and, and was, was terribly afraid about some news that they had received. And, and I said, listen, let's don't, let's don't focus on that. Let's don't focus. We don't know that that's the deal. We don't know that that's the facts. Uh, let's focus on what we do know. Uh, let's think about what we do know. And until we know something different, then, that's, then we'll think about that. And then we'll contemplate on that. But you know what? Fear calls uh, anxiety and fear calls uh, para, paralyzing and, and cause us to stop doing and operating in the way we should operate. He's struggling with fear. And because of that, his witness is hindered. But God said, don't hold your peace. This ain't no time to quit. This ain't no time to give up. He also contemplated leaving. He contemplated leaving. Do I need to leave? 
Do I, need to, do I need to leave Corinth just like I had to leave Philippi? Do I need to leave just like I had to leave Thessalonica and I had to leave Berea? Do I, do I need to leave like I had to leave Athens? Is this just going to be another one of these uh, 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 turnarounds? Do I have to go now? But you know what God said? Look what he said. He said, for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. You know what he's saying? Don't leave this city. Don't leave this city. Why would he tell him to stay in this city? Because he was contemplating leaving it. You know what that means? He was ready to just say enough. Enough. Listen, if you're there, I want to give you four quick things, okay? Four quick things. Preacher, I'm tired. Preacher, I'm so frustrated with everything. I'm frustrated with my issues. I'm frustrated with this quarantine. I'm frustrated with this virus. I'm frustrated with my family. I'm frustrated with my life. I'm frustrated with how things have turned out. I'm frustrated. Well, here's, here's what we're going to do. Let's look, what, let's look what God says in this, this verse, this encouragement that, that God gives Paul, and then we'll pray, okay? He's tired. He's fatigued. He feeling, he's feeling forsaken. He's feeling forlorn, remember? Alone. Feeling lonely because of isolation. He's, he's by himself in this strange city. This wicked city. He's feeling like a failure. Everywhere he's gone to, he's been run out. So what does God do? Before I give you these subs, here's, here's the... Here's the deal. I'm glad, I'm glad God knows how we feel. I'm glad God knows how we feel. The psalmist said it this way. He knoweth my frame. He even said this. He knows my uprising and my down sitting. He knows, in other words, he knows when I get up and he knows when I lay down. He knows the very thoughts of my, my mind and my heart. He goes before me and behind me. Listen, God knows. He is aware. When you're discouraged, he knows. When you're afraid, he knows. When you're frustrated, he knows. He knows about our issues. Thank God we've got to go. Well, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows how I feel. Nobody, nobody knows what I'm experiencing. That's a lie. That's a lie. There may not be a, a, a man or a woman down here that knows. There may not be a family member that knows. There may not be an employee or employer that knows. But there is a God in heaven who knows how you feel. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're going through. And not only that, not only does he know, he cares. He cares. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth. For you. Do you realize that's two different? I know it's the same English word, care and careth, but, but it's two different words. The first word, care, casting all your care, that means things that distress, things that disturb, things that rock your world, things that, that bring tears to your eyes, things that cause you to be frustrated, things that cause you to want to quit and throw in the towel. He said, cast all those things on him, for he careth. For you. Now that second word careth, it means it matters to him. Do you, do you realize it matters to him whether you're happy? It matters to him whether you're sad. It matters to him whether you're successful. It matters to him whether you're frustrated. It matters to him whether you're sad. It matters to him no matter what. He loves you and he careth for you. Listen, he doesn't, he doesn't just know what's in your life. 
He doesn't just know every, every, he knows you so good, he knows every hair on your head. He knows every detail of your life. He knows every frustration you face. He knows everything that you're going to deal with when you wake up in the morning. And he cares. He cares. He didn't leave Paul all alone. He didn't tell Paul, just tough it out, son. He didn't say, listen, he cared enough to come to him. He cared enough to come to him. And guess what? God cares enough about you to bring you to a place where you're watching me right now. And God cares enough about you to bring you to watch what I'm, I'm, I'm bringing tonight. And he cares enough about you to tell me what to tell you tonight. Listen, are you lonely? Are you frustrated? You ready to throw in the towel? You ready to give up? Don't give up. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he's got some things to tell you. First, first, what, what was the remedy? We saw the reason we saw the reason. We saw the results. What took place? He's struggling now with fear. And he's contemplating uh, uh, leaving and, and going somewhere else. And he's, his, his, his witness is silenced. But then I want you to see the remedy. Look what God brings into Paul's life. First, he brings companions. He brings companions. Listen, after a little bit, Paul had to, when he arrived in, 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 in uh, Corinth... He's got to support himself. He's got to figure out something to do to, to, to try to make a living uh, uh, because he's, he's there alone and he doesn't have any support at the time. And, and so he, he runs into uh, 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 Aquila and Priscilla and God knits them together. And if you, we don't have time tonight, but if you, you, you go and study uh, uh, those two people out, you'll find out that they become great, great friends and incredible ministry partners with Paul, very, very important to him. But God led him to companions. All right, write this down. There's, I think, four things you, I want you to write down in this particular part. But write down companions. He brought Aquila and Priscilla. Not only that, guess who showed up? God brought also, look in verse number, let's see, verse number, verse number five. And when Silas, you remember, they, they, had not, they had not come, they were not with Paul at Corinth yet. But when he's going through his difficulty, when he's going through his frustration, guess who shows up right on time? Silas and Timotheus. They were come from Macedonia. Now, not only that, not only that, but the companions from Thessalonica, from the ministry, uh, from the other churches, when, when, when Silas and Timothy showed up, they had an offering and they had a blessing from the churches there. So he was not only having companions there with him, but companions from the churches that he had planted before had sent their love support and their encouragement and their financial blessing and financial help. So Paul is feeling friends from even afar. Preacher, what are you saying? Here's what I'm going to say. Look, 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 look real close. Look real close. Look real close. You cannot do this alone. You cannot do this alone. You cannot do this life alone. You cannot, you cannot deal with this virus alone. You cannot deal with all this, this, this going on in this world alone. As great as Paul was, as great as Moses was, as great as Joshua was, as great as Elijah was, none of them, none of them prospered alone. None of them succeeded alone. None of them made better in their lives alone. They all needed somebody. Let me tell you what happened when they got alone. They got depressed. They got suicidal. 
when they got alone. You need companions. Let me say it again. You need companions. You need somebody you can call. You need somebody you can talk to. You need somebody to be connected to. Now, there's a reason that we have life groups. There's a reason we have life groups. There's a reason that we have connections in this church because we need each other. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, can't, I can't even describe to you how much we need each other and how much I see and realize that we need each other. Listen, I, I, I will run into some of you in, in, in town and, 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 and I know we can't hug and, and, and I, I won't do so bad. I, I see people, I, I made a joke the other day. I said, I seen somebody I didn't even like and I wanted to give them a hug. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Kind of, kind of. I see people and I, I, man, I, I miss everybody. And man, I can't wait to see them and I can't wait for the fellowship and I can't wait to uh, just give, are y'all with me? Can, can you get what we need fellowship? We need companionship. Now, I know, I know, I know we're going to have somebody out there and you're watching right now. Well, I tried. I tried to get in a life group. I was in three different life groups and, and none of them, I, I, it didn't, none of them was no good. Well, it may not be the life group. Have you ever thought that you might be the problem? That you might need to change your attitude? That you might need to get or, or be a little easier to get along with? Listen, you need companionship. You need somebody. And, and, and if you've tried three, then try four. If the four don't work, try five. Sooner or later, you're going to hook up with somebody that you can get along with. You can hook up with somebody that can be a friend and be an encouragement. Man, I'm telling you, we all need somebody. We all need someone. I can't be everybody's best friend. I, 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 I know some of y'all want me to, and, and, but I can't. I, 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 cannot, I cannot operate that way and, 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 and be what I need to be. But I do have my people. I do have my most, most of uh, my closest people are not even in this church. It's because I got to be able to talk to them and them encourage me and I encourage them. Listen, but you need somebody. You need a companion. Paul needed Timothy. Paul needed Silas and Paul needed Aquila and Priscilla. We, we, we need to be connected. So, well, I'm not connected at the time. We'll keep on connecting to this broadcast. We've got Zoom sessions for the, for the life groups. And, and when this thing kicks back off and we can get back to having church like normal. And, 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 and here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. When we start being able to have church like normal, you need to quit being a drag race Christian. You need to quit dragging in and racing out. No wonder you ain't connected to nobody because you get here late and you leave early. You never have time to talk to people. You never have time to fellowship with people. You never have time to socialize with people. You won't get involved in nothing. You won't get involved in ministry. You won't get involved and help out. And you wonder why you don't feel a part of things. Listen, the most connected people are the happiest people. The people that are serving, the people that are volunteering, the people that are making themselves be a part of what's going on. I promise you, you need that. God has given you a gift to use in the local church. And if you're not using it, you're not going to feel your full capacity and you're not going to be as happy as you could be. Use what God has given you. Get connected. Make up your mind right now. Bless God when this thing kicks back off, when we're able to get to church, I'm going to fellowship. 
and I'm going to talk to people, and I'm going to communicate. We may not be hugging and, and handshaking and doing all that. We may have to change things just a little bit, but bless God, we can wave, we can do something, we can smile, and we can say I love you and say I'm praying for you and I'm encouraging you, but make up your mind. I'm going to get connected some way or another. I'm going to be on a team. I'm going to be part of a ministry. I'm going to be a part of what's going on around there. I'm going to get connected because I need fellowship. I need companions. Everybody, everybody needs somebody. I want you to say that right where you are. Everybody needs somebody. Say it again. Everybody needs somebody. You know what God did? God brought him companions. You, let me, hey, you know what God did for Elijah? When Elijah was feeling suicidal? When Elijah said, I quit, I don't want to do this no more. I'm not even as good as my father's. I feel like a total failure. You know what he did? He hooked him up with an Elisha. An Elisha. You know what, you know what happened with Peter? When Peter, he felt, like, he felt like throwing in the towel. He felt like giving up. He went out and wept bitterly. You know what he did? Paul teamed him, or excuse me, the Lord teamed him up with John. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. So he encouraged him with companionship. He got him some companions. He got people in his life to help encourage him through this difficult time. So there's companions we see in this. Not only that, not only that, let's look at this. Let's look at this. We see communion. Oh, mercy. Mercy, look at this. Verse 9. Verse 9. When you get there, say amen. You want to say amen, uh, Mr. Daniel, Mr. Tech Man? You going to say amen for me? Amen. All right, there we go. How about it? Brother Dustin back in the room. You going to say amen? amen? All right, pardon us. We're just enjoying ourselves in here, all right? Listen, look what he says. Be not afraid, but this is in verse 9. But speak and hold not thy peace. Why? Why? Verse 10. For I am with thee. I am with thee. What did he say? He said, I'm, I'm with you. My presence is with you. You don't have to be afraid. You, you, don't have, you don't have to give up. You don't have to throw in the towel. You, you don't have to leave this city. I'm with you. I am with you. What did the psalmist say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. He's saying, I'm, I, you're going to feel my presence. And, and I, I use the word communion because it was so important. Sunday, Sunday, I, I was sitting about, about, I don't know, five or six chairs back while they were singing up here, you know, doing our social distancing thing. I, I, I was back there and, and I was trying to stay out of the camera, but, but I made up my mind. I made up my mind. I'm a, it's going to be just like regular church. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to sing with them. And I'm going to be in here and I'm going to worship. And I own purpose made up my mind that I'm going to spend time with God and I'm going to, I'm going to praise him and I'm going to sing to him and I'm going to love him. And man, I'm telling you what, right about in the middle of that worship and right about in the middle of that singing going on, I started feeling the presence of God in me and around me and on me. And I had tears dripping off my face and I was singing and I was communing with God. And I'm here to tell you, it didn't matter. It didn't 
didn't matter that the rest of this building was empty. It didn't matter that there was no, not one single person in the pews out here. Not one single person. I felt like I was in a slam-packed full building because I was in the presence of God and God was in me and on me and around me. And I'm telling you, it was wonderful. Wonderful. You need to spend time with God when you're feeling alone, when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling ready to throw in the towel. That's the time you need to pray. That's the time you need to sing. That's the time you need to worship. You need to kick back. Like Paul and Silas did in that Philippian jail when they had stripes on their back and they were beaten with rods. And listen, they were broken and they were hurting and they were in pain and they were shackled in chains. But yet at midnight, the Bible said they begin to pray and sing praises to God. That is the time to worship. It's not always on the mountaintop. It's not always in the good times. It's not always in the hallelujah. Sometimes you got to sing in the valley. Sometimes you got to sing in the storm. Sometimes you got to sing when you don't want to. Sometimes you got to sing when you don't feel like it. And I'm here to tell you, when you begin to praise God, God inhabits the praises of his people and he'll show up wherever you're at and he'll be a majority in that place and he'll bring you through it. Somebody say, man, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's the time to praise. Let me tell you, he will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He'll be a refuge and strength and a very present help in the time of trouble. He, listen, he was with, he was with Moses in the time in the wilderness. He was with Joshua fighting in the promised land. He was with, oh, hallelujah. He was with David in the valley with the giant. He was with Daniel in the den of lions. He was with the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. He was with Paul in the shipwreck. He was with Paul in the raging storm. He was with the disciples in the storm and said, peace be still. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, he'll be with you. When you're down, he'll be with you. When you're discouraged, he'll surround you. When you feel like quitting and throwing in the towel and giving up, he will be with you. You'll feel his presence. You'll feel his closeness. You'll feel his touch, and there's no substitute for it. And matter of fact, you will never feel it like you feel it when you're in your darkest hour. Listen, I promise you this. You'll be closer to God. You'll be closer to God because he can relate to your sufferings. He's a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And oh, it's in that dark hour. It's in that time of difficulty, in that time of misunderstanding, that time of frustration when you don't know what's going on. That's then when you're going to feel him the most. So we see communion. Talk to him. Call out to him. Listen, read about him. Get your Bible and open your Bible up. Sing to him. Worship him. Listen, tell him you love him. Tell him you're thankful for him. And I promise you, the more you spend time with God, that communion will bring you right out of the funk you're in. I promise you, it'll bring sunshine to a dark place. Amen, amen. We see, not only do we see companions, the remedy for Paul's situation was companions, it was communion. Not only was it communion, but it was confirmation. Look what he said, look what he said in verse 10. For I am with thee. 
Watch this. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. You know what he basically said? Let me just say it in the way we talk. Hey, hey, are you listening? You paying attention? Listen, everything is going to be all right. You hear me? He said, everything is going to be all right. Paul, ain't nobody going to touch you. Nobody is going to hurt you. Nobody, I'm not going to let anybody mess with you. And you know what? They didn't. You know what? Paul was in a storm later on. We'll get to that in the book of Acts. And he was in a, he was in a storm, even in a shipwreck. And he said, you know what? The angel of the Lord has stood by me this night. The angel of the Lord has stood by me this night. And you know what? The, you, know what you know what? The Lord has, has sent a message to me. You know what the Lord is saying? Everything's going to be all right. And, and you, know what, you know what Paul said to the people in, in the storm, in the ship? He said, you know what? God said everything's going to be all right. And you know what? I believe God. I believe God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this right now. The devil's gunpowder cannot burn till God says so. Nothing can happen in your life without it being filtered through his loving fingers. And nothing can happen to you. Nothing can happen to you without God allowing it, without God letting it happen. And if God, now now stay with me, if God lets it happen, there's a reason for it. And if God, he may keep you from the valley or he may lead you through the valley. But either way, he will be with you. He may not always stop the storm. He may bring you through the storm. But whatever the case, either way, either way, he's in charge. He's in charge. Everything is going to be all right. Nobody's going to touch you, Paul. I've got this. Everything's going to be all right. And lastly, lastly, I got to hurry. Look, look. We see companions. We see communion. He said, I'm with thee. I'm with thee. He sees confirmation. He said, nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to hurt you. Everything's going to be all right. But then he says this. Then he says this. There's some converts out there. He says, I have much people in this city. Now, he's not talking about people that's already saved. He's talking about people that's going to get saved. In other words, he's encouraging Paul and telling Paul, I know you haven't seen much fruit yet. And I know that you feel like a failure and you feel like things are not not going the way you think they ought to go. But I want to tell you this. I've got tons of people out here that's going to come into the kingdom. So you need to hang tight. Don't go to another city. There's plenty in this city that's going to trust, believe your word, and get saved. Let me tell you something. I don't think there's anything more encouraging than converts. There's nothing more encouraging to seeing people trust Christ and seeing people believe the gospel and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. I was so encouraged Sunday by those who prayed and, 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 and placed their faith in the Lord and repented and, 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 and said, I want to follow Jesus. Man, I'm telling you what, it had me fired up. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I was so encouraged by that. You may tell you how to, you may tell you how to get out of a, a rut. Let me tell you how to get out of a dark place. Go tell somebody about Jesus. Well, I preach, I'm just so down and I'm just so discouraged and I'm just so depressed. Well, I tell you what, 
get your Bible, go find somebody that don't know Jesus, tell them about Jesus, and I promise you, if they believe in the Lord and they trust you, listen, and trust in him and get saved, I promise you, you'll come out of that discouragement because there's nothing more exciting, there's nothing more exhilarating. There, what does he say? We shall come forth bearing precious seed. Listen, we, we, may, we may water those seeds with our tears, but you know what? We will come rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. He's saying, Paul, you just keep preaching, son. You just keep preaching. You just keep sharing the gospel. Don't hold your peace. Don't, don't be quiet. You raise your voice. You keep preaching. You keep delivering the gospel because there's going to be many people out there get saved. I'm going to tell you, most of all you temple people, you, you, you've done heard this story a hundred thousand times, but I just think it's appropriate right now. <clears throat> there was a time in the very beginning, well, there's been tons of times I've been discouraged. I mean, that's, that's, that, I, I, I could write a book about all the things that did. Everybody sees all the stuff that did work and all the blessings that God's done and, and all the great stuff, but I'm telling you, I could write, write an encyclopedia of all the things that didn't work and all the frustrations and all the difficulties, but... But there was one particular time where uh, uh, in the very beginning when, when God really had to help me see that it's all him. It's all him. And, and when, when I came here from South Carolina, the, the church in South Carolina was really, was really growing. I mean, as far as success and describing success, it was it was really successful and and man, God was blessing in an incredible way. Well, anyhow, make a long story short, God brought us out here and and it seemed like everything I tried didn't work. I mean, I was preaching the same messages and preaching out of the same Bible and and singing the same songs and trying the same things and and it just seemed like not it, it was going from bad to worse. And instead of growing, we were going the opposite way. And man, I, I, there, there was a time I got so frustrated and, 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 and just, just so discouraged. And, and, and like I said, I'm not going to tell the whole story in detail, but to make a long story short, there was a time that God brought a family to Temple on Sunday. And I asked if I could come visit them on, on, during that week and, and kind of catch them up in a lesson I was doing. And, 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 and they said, yeah, that would be great. And I went to their house. And on the way to their house, I, I, I was just just praying and just talking, you know, you know, just just being transparent with God the best I could. And I said, God, would you just please save somebody? Just just please save somebody. And 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 man, we got to the house and and we had two or three people saved that night. That night, I, I about forgot that I even made that prayer, and I was so excited coming home and. And, 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 man, I was so excited. And it seemed like the Lord just got in the car with me. I don't know if he's ever done that to you, but it just seemed like he just got in the car with me and said, Hey, hey, you remember what you prayed? And boy, I'm telling you, I had cold chills. And, and, and he said, You do your part, and I'll do mine. And I truly believe, I truly believe that sometimes God will let us get frustrated. God will let us try our best. God will let us do our thing to try to accomplish spiritual things. And he will help us understand that it's all him. It's all him. If it happens, it's him. If it works, it's him. If it's blessed, it's him. And we need to depend on that.
And we need to trust that. And when we get frustrated and when we get to feeling like we want to throw in the towel and give up, guess what? That's exactly what we need to do. We need to give up trying to do it ourselves. We need to give up trying to accomplish it on our own. We need to give up being so prideful and not going to him for help and asking him to move in this situation. Help us to understand why we're dealing with what we're dealing with, why we're feeling what we're feeling. And say, God, it's you. I'm taking my hands off. It's all you. He said, there's much people in this city. You just, you just keep preaching. You just keep sharing the gospel. Those, those four things are vitally important to making it. Companions, get connected. Quit making excuses. Quit blaming everybody else. Well, I just don't have no friends. Well, change your attitude. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Well, I am friendly. Tell your face that. That might be the problem. You're not getting a memo up. Look in the mirror and see if you look friendly. All right? Get connected. We need companions. We need each other. We need fellowship. We need companions. We need communion. We need to spend time with God. Listen, he said, I am with you. Draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you, he says. We need confirmation. We got it. It's all over Scripture from the beginning to the end. God's, God's in control. Everything's going to be all right. Paul says, if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's gain. If I stay, wonderful. If I go, I'm going to be with Jesus. No matter what, everything's going to be all right. I'm a winner either way. Listen, everything's going to be all right. We need confirmation, but then we need converts. We need to understand that what we're doing is working. What we're doing is not in vain. We may not be able to see the fruit right away. We may not be able to see the progress right away. We may not be able to see exactly what God's doing right away. But just hang in there. Everything's going to be all right.